up everything. Well, it's all over, there is no hope. The jig is up, and the Blues have returned to the basement of the National Hockey League. We'll have that and other baseless overreactions to a solitary exhibition game ahead. Plus, we'll touch on John Chayka's sudden and bizarre departure from the Arizona Coyotes, and we'll give our predictions for the playing round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. So let's get started, and let's go chaos! Welcome back, everyone, and welcome to episode, I don't even remember, 137 mm-hmm. of the Two Guys, One Cup podcast. I do know the name of the podcast. <laughs> but You almost forgot. I did. It is Thursday, July 30th, and we are united, though for this week we are apart, but we are reunited with hockey this week, as the NHL has indeed returned to play. It was foretold uh, for eons, and now it has happened. What did it end up being, like a 150-day break? Yeah, it was like four and a half months. Doesn't that that seem impossible? Yeah, it was, because it was the middle of March. Wow. It also feels... That seems forever ago. I heard... I saw one of the... um, One of the post-dispatch writers i don't remember which one talk joke about like the blues remained winless in july and i for like a good i don't know 20 seconds i was like no you idiot we won the stanley cup in july last year like (laughs) we're so much further in the year that i'm like oh wait i had to think about it and i was like no no that did happen in june and i'm a moron What's um, funny is people people talk about it being like, man, it's crazy to be playing hockey in July. And part of me is like, it doesn't really feel that crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the giant four and a half month gap is what feels super crazy. But I think what's going to feel crazier is when it's Halloween or it's Thanksgiving or you're leading up to Christmas this year and there's no hockey. Mm-hmm. That's going to feel weird. Yeah, I think it's, I feel like we're still in sort of a timeless void. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, we have 4th of July, I guess that's a big holiday, but we didn't get to do any 4th of July things really, so it feels like, I just don't, like, it's a season, and I don't know what season it is. Yeah, we're just in the hot spring now, you know. (laughs) That's right. And it's like the only way I can demarcate that it's summer is that I'm wearing shorts, but that's not even true because I do that in fall and spring too. So it's like, eh, it's sometime. And, you mm-hmm. know, hockey's being played. Baseball is, is back. And then, and then you know, Miami. Uh, the Marlins, <laughs> the worst luck of any MLB team, I think, pretty clearly at this point. <laughs> Um, Why doesn't that franchise just walk into the ocean? I don't know. I mean, it's trying. (laughs) It's it's close. It's down there. But um, yeah, it's uh, that's bad stuff. But the other sports leagues doing a good job fighting the fighting the Rona. Uh, These Mm -hmm. bubble systems, you know, knock on wood. This is definitely fake what I'm knocking on, but we'll count it. uh, Seem (laughs) to be largely working, you know. And uh, it's a little totalitarian, but it's what needs to be done. And if 
if the NHL gets to finish its season and the NBA does and MLS gets its tournament done and the NL- and Major League Baseball is the one that has to cancel, then I think it'll be a pretty clear message about, uh, you know, how this is going to work until there is either a vaccine or we decide on on some way to safely return to play. So it is what mm-hmm. it is for now, but we got hockey this week, and that's what really matters. How about the uh, setup for this stadium? It's uh, it's kind of I kind of I'm proud of the NHL. I gotta say, I felt like I was really surprised that they didn't just put people in like a big empty stadium with no. <laughs> I don't know. Are you? I mean, I I guess I should have expected something, but like, I'm I was pleasantly surprised that they like doctored the stadium and made it look good and covered the seats and stuff like that. And I think. I think it was a really wise idea, uh, other than the fact that I think it's a shame that po- other players from inside the bubble can't come and watch and jeer the uh, opposition as they're playing in their uh, games. And, you know, Brad Marchand can sit in the crowd and watch the Maple Leafs lose to the uh, Blue Jackets or whatever the case might be. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I, I like it uh, for the most part. Um, you know, if anyone hasn't seen the setup, which I imagine isn't anyone die hard enough to listen to this podcast but uh the stands are covered up i don't know why why don't we start there what do you think about that decision to not have empty seats everywhere yeah i mean i think that's really a really good decision it's something you probably overlook when you're not really when you're not thinking you know closely about how the presentation for everything should be because you're like well who cares why do i gotta cover that up but it just covering up the stands makes or the seats rather makes like the the area feel smaller and a lot more intimate and i've mm-hmm. noticed they they are trying to do that a lot and i think that helps you feel like it's not just some giant empty arena where they're just playing a sport in like the middle you know 15% and it's like if we can if we can make the area feel smaller and more intimate people are going to be engaged and so yeah just putting these covers just as you know nhl stanley cup playoffs over them for like the first like i don't know maybe an entire section around the around the ice, maybe just like the first 20 seats or so, really helps with the view for like the for the teams. And I think it also probably helps um, for the players too, because really these places were designed to have people sitting in those seats. Mm-hmm. So like sight lines are kind of designed that way, I'm assuming, in some of these these arenas. So if you don't have people in the seats, now there's just blank seats. And I'm guessing a lot of those seats, if you're uh if you're at the um the, now I can't even remember where the Blues play at anymore. The Savas Roger, Center, uh, the, the Enterprise Center. Um, they're black seats, and if you're a goalie or you know you're someone shooting, you're probably going to lose the puck in that. So while they did just put gray coverings over everything, I think it probably helps players uh, be able to see the puck and the play a lot better too. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that that aspect. I also just think it probably has an acoustic advantage. Uh, to get more of the natural, you know, game noise echoing into the TV feed and stuff instead That's of true. the big empty arena. Um, I think the only thing about it that maybe I'm a little disappointed by is I thought maybe the, the league would seize an opportunity to get us some really unique camera angles that it can't really get you while there are fans in the stands, you know, and I, at least in my watching, haven't seen a lot of that so far they have they have some of the camera on wire stuff uh-huh. and that's cool i don't mind it as much as i feel like some other fans do but um 
it's also nothing that they haven't done before, yeah. you know? So it's sort of like, okay, whatever. But I think sometimes they're probably hesitant to do that because they're afraid of like a camera flying in the air through someone's, you know, eyesight or whatever. But mm-hmm. it's been interesting. But yeah, I don't know. They talk a lot about um, rolling out things gradually. So mm-hmm. it sounds like even in these first qualifying round games that there's going to be a little more presentation to them than say these exhibition games. Mm -hmm. So I'll be interested to see if they actually do that because they did talk an awful lot about having other teams being able to watch you live in the stands. Yeah. And then to have that just sort of not happen immediately makes me think either that was something where they were like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, we're going to do this. And it was never written in stone. Or it's something that they're going to actually roll out later. I'm just not sure. Yeah, I mean, it would not It would make sense for that to not be happening during exhibition games, I think. True. Um, just because, you know, who cares? <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be interesting. I mean, I think, I think the one thing that, you know, if you're going to turn lemons into lemonade here at all, and it's, you know, overall, obviously, the... The global pandemic isn't great, but um, <laughs> and certainly not for sports leagues. But I think if if you are going to make any positive out of it, you have to take the opportunity to do some things that you wouldn't normally get to do, you know, and make it mm-hmm. make it memorable for that reason. Whatever it is, whether it's having the players in the stands or you know having. Um, I don't know, more, you know, social media content from the hotels and stuff, which I have seen a lot of that. I've seen a lot of the, you know, oh, the, you know, guys are throwing the ball around on the, on the, you know, Toronto FC field or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, that sort of stuff is great, but I think you can really try to bring some of that into the presentation of the game as well, too. And, you know, I haven't seen a ton of that yet. But I, I hope they ramp it up more without going over the top. You know, you don't want it to be mm-hmm. gimmicky. Uh, but the the more I think they can include of that, especially especially in the early rounds, you know, maybe in the semis and the, uh, you know, cup final, maybe you want it to play it a little more by the book and a little more straight-laced because the competition will have intensified by then, but especially in the qualifying rounds and stuff. I just think that's a really worthwhile thing to do to make it interesting, to give it a unique sort of feel. Mm-hmm. And I think they have done some of that with the stadium design. They also had those six uh, huge LED screens that are back from the glass a little bit, probably about at the top of the lower bowl, I would guess. Is that, I mean, maybe a little bit. I think maybe like, half, I don't know, it's hard to tell, like halfway up yeah. the lower bowl, like three quarters of the way, but yeah. it is kind of nice. It kind of makes it feel more cinematic i guess Mm -hmm. i haven't really seen them do much with them outside of just putting the logo of each team on them while while games being played yeah i get that they probably don't want to just have all this shit flashing around for Mm -hmm. the same reason that they want to cover the seats they don't want to make it seem too crazy or have it be distracting for players but i do wonder i haven't really seen what happens when somebody scores so i don't know if they're like flashing lights then or anything like that um and then speaking of which when people do score it is pretty neat that they have the recordings of each goal horn for every team that's in this tournament. Um, they also play like the goal song that would be played. Um, you know, it would have been cool to see that in action for the blues, but you know, <laughs> we'll have to wait a little bit longer. Um, Cause apparently they're going to do the goal chant and everything, you know, like towel man would do, which uh-huh. um, my girlfriend brought up a good point and was wondering, are they going to do the Nashville? You just suck chant for Nashville. Ooh. 
I don't know. Because like also that's with the goalie name. So are they going to have like an adaptive, like they're playing the blues. So throw Allen's name in there or whatever. They'd get <laughs> they gotta plenty have, of opportunities. Have specific. Um, yeah. yeah I feel like the NHL will wet blanket that one, but just judging by what I that's know. That's what I was them. thinking. But um, I like, I think, I think not just with the NHL, but I think with, you know, because Premier League and other sports are doing it too. I think I like the piped in spi- the piped in arena noise when I'm mm-hmm. not really paying attention. Like <laughs> I feel like if I'm working on my computer or doing something else, and you know, washing dishes or whatever, and just have the game on, I don't really notice. It just feels like a very natural game, and you know, they do mm-hmm. a good enough job with the technology to make it feel like it's really just the crowd noise that you would normally have. But if I'm sitting there really watching, I'm like, wait a minute, that seat's empty. <laughs> um, and I start to think about it. It's going to be interesting. As I understand it, they were supposed to have like home and away games. So it's going to be interesting to see if like, you know, in the home games for the Blues is when they get the goal horn. And in the away games, like, you know, there's not really going to be a home ice advantage in all this. But it'd be fun if they tried to sort of simulate it with that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, who knows? Uh, that's not a big deal to me. I do think... I th- I think it's probably smart. I would love... Well, especially in the NHL's case with all the swearing that would probably happen on the ice. But, like, <laughs> I think I would love to just hear the raw crowd noise, the raw arena noise and stuff. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, the kind of stuff you get to hear if you go to a, a real hockey game or, or more than that, like a smaller rink game, you know, if you're like a like in the prospect tournament or wherever you can go training camp to see that sort of stuff. It can be really cool, but also for like 60 minutes, if you're just sitting on your couch, that would get a little dull and repetitive. I feel like, Mm -hmm. Uh, so I think it's smart for them to include it. I don't know. How do you feel overall about like crowd noise and and all that? Yeah, I think they've done a good job of it. Cause like you said, when you're not paying attention, it definitely does feel like it's just a regular game that's on. Um, what I was going to ask was, so like I've watched a couple different, a couple different of the exhibition games mm-hmm. and they have been, most of them have been like NBC Sports Network or something. And I've heard this piped in crowd noise and I could be wrong. But then last night when I was watching the Fox Sports Midwest feed, yes, there was there none? There is none. No. Yes. Okay. I gotcha. So that's why I was like, man, I feel like I can hear them a lot better. You know, I can hear the players a lot better and things like that. But yeah, I think I prefer the crowd noise because it did just feel like an empty arena last night when I was listening. Mm-hmm. It probably didn't help that the Blues played like poop. But, yeah, you know, I was like, wow, not. this is kind of just nothing, huh? <laughs> um, but, but yeah, when they had the crowd noise, it was interesting. It's it's different because they get you get cheers when someone scores. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll kind of give like a smattering of claps and stuff like that when someone makes a big save because that's just an obvious one they can throw in there. Mm-hmm. But it's it's as good as they can make it, really. Like with as little time as they had to prepare. So I can there's I don't fault the NHL for it not being like a hundred percent the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of different because you just don't have the same pop that like a big save actually gets or a big goal actually gets or even certain things. And maybe, maybe as uh, the time goes on, maybe they'll improve it or maybe I'll just see that it is more adaptive than I think. But like if you're the blues and you're down 
a goal and you got two minutes left and you're mounting this big attack to try and tie it to force OT. I don't know if they're going to have the crowd noise like pick up and be like, oh, you know, like the tension because like that's that's part of the game is like feeling the wave that like the kind of the crowd gives you in terms of energy. And so something I was thinking about the other day is like, I think this is going to be a huge, like this is going to be paramount for these announcers to be able to like relay what's going on. Like obviously people like you and me or anyone that's really listening understands what's going on in the game and what's important and what's not. But I think these announcers for NBC or for uh, Fox Sports and West are going to have to really hone in on like really conveying the energy of what's going on because really it's when you think about it, if it's not just the play on the ice, it's the announcers and it's the crowd that mm-hmm. kind of inform you what's going on, that kind of gets you hyped up. And when you basically take the, you know, the dynamics of the crowd out of it, it's just the announcers. Yeah. And I think they're just going to have to really push themselves to be able to, I don't know, get amped for what's going on. You know what I mean? Um, because that's going to be the one thing that can convey like, Hey, this is like a big push and this is like something crazy going on. And if you're not really paying attention, you know, like you said, you're washing dishes or whatever, you might miss it because you're not hearing the crowd react to that sort of stuff, mm. you know? Yeah, I think that's a really brilliant point. I also think, you know, hockey is not a, a beginner-friendly sport in terms of <laughs> yeah. production and presentation. Mm. Um, and, you know, to the extent that you're hoping, and I'm sure the NHL is hoping, that by being back and doing this well, they're going to attract eyeballs that they haven't seen. And I'm sure they will because there's not mm-hmm. a lot of live new content on the airwaves right now. Um, I think that just amplifies the point you just made even more in that, you know, if you're a total beginner, the crowd does a really good job of um, telling you what is significant. You know, I mean, you can, mm-hmm. you can tell... If a crowd's really loud and excited, then something something important's happening. And if they're really down and quiet, then you know they're probably getting beat up or whatever. But like, I think you're exactly right that the announcers bear the brunt of that. Speaking of which, I don't know that I've heard either Pierre or Doc Emmerich yet. Are they involved in this? I assume they are. And I just yeah, miss them that's a good the, point. That's I can a good see point Doc, Doc maybe not going into the bubble since he's kind of older, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. Have you seen either of them or know anything about them? I have not. Uh, we can cross our fingers on Pierre. You know, maybe they just couldn't make the cut. But um, I'll phone yeah, I'm sure he's there waiting for us. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Have you seen that in between, like, when they put Brian Boucher between the, the glass, but, like, now that they're in this bubble, he's, like, literally in, like, a glass box, like, in between the glass. <laughs> Uh, that's pretty funny. I was like, I can't wait for Pierre to be stuck in there and be oh, like banging man, on the glass great. to like, you know, mouth something kind of like, you know, a little uncomfortable to one of the players. Was it you and Put me that were like... on the glass. Yeah. Was it you and me that were like uncomfortably close to Pierre one game when we had really good seats? Was that last year's playoffs? Yeah. It just, it just, it just stands funky. I don't He's... know what to tell you. Or maybe his suits don't fit right. I don't know. <laughs> we could see like his notes and stuff a little bit. That was... Seriously. That guy gets is always mentioned for like GM jobs. Like uh-huh. every time a GM position is open, they're always like, "Here's our ten candidates and Pierre Maguire," and I've just always pray that he gets it because maybe he'll be good, maybe he'll be bad. I don't really care, but I'm like, I'd love to see this guy like take real interviews for like a real team. Yeah, that'd be fascinating. I'd like that. All right, Ian, we've put it off as long as we can, conceivably. Um, 
We waited four and a half months for this. <laughs> uh, the Chicago Blackhawks beat the St. Louis Blues four to nothing in the exhibition game. And Did we really I, sweep them this season? Uh, that is, I God, I had forgotten that entirely. Uh, as I said in the intro to the show, uh, you know. W- w- we're going to draw lots of conclusions from this technically meaningless uh, exhibition oh, yeah. game. Oh, yeah. Fat, like a huge fat asterisk. We can say right out the gate, game means nothing. Yeah. There's the, what, what can you do? But then we are going to draw some conclusions <laughs> from this. Yeah, exactly. So, I, guess, I mean, you know, I don't know if you had any pregame comments or just wanted to leap right in. Um, Good to see Tarasenko back and looking mm. sharp. I mean, I think he was engaging on the rush and taking some chances, taking some shots early on. I was pretty positive after the first period, actually. I mean, I think mm-hmm. we didn't look great. The power play sucked, uh, which didn't... <laughs> how, are we, how are we third this year? I looked it up. We were third on the power play. That seems impossible. I think it's the way it looks. I think it just doesn't look good. Yeah, I think We score just... on it, but it just kind of looks like... Ooh. It's just dirt. Even our goals on it are dirty and and gross. Yeah, exactly. and so you know, it just doesn't look sexy. Uh, Bennington did look good in the first period, and I think looked fine until he was replaced. I think the two goals they scored in the second can't really be blamed on him at all, um, which uh, cannot be said for his uh, compatriot. And <laughs> the Blues are back. <laughs> we'll get back to it. Uh, God, can you believe we waited four and a half months to shit on Jake Allen immediately? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Tweets the other day that were like, man, he's like, remember, he's like, became the best teammate. And I was like, man, do they give awards for best teammate? We're not even, we really aren't even Allen haters, but I mean, well, let's get there. Uh, first, before we get there, we have, uh, two <laughs> other goals to talk about. Um... In the second period, 7.40 in, Brandon Saad scored. Taves basically had the puck behind the net and hit Saad with a really nice pass uh, on Bennington's blind side, and, and Saad roofed it into the net. Nothing Bennington could do. I didn't even see this goal scored. Um, I think I was I was watching, but I guess I was half paying attention, and they went to commercial quickly thereafter. And I saw a lot of tweets about it, and I was like, "Wait, is this game one nothing Blackhawks right now?" I've uh, I've I've gotten rusty as a hockey viewer. I missed it entirely. Man, no, I I felt the same way on like three of these goals. Like, <laughs> I was watching the game, and then it would like went in, and they were celebrating, and I was kind of like, my brain was like, "Oh yeah, it went in." <laughs> like, I don't know why it took me so long, but like, especially on this one and the Strom one, I remember just being like, "Huh." And then I think finally on the second Kubelik goal was the one where I was like, oh, see, I knew that was the goal. I saw that one go. <laughs> and that's the one where there was actually like the weird pause where they were like, is it in? I don't know. Is it in? Um, so, yeah, that threw me too. <laughs> but, yeah, it was strange. And then uh, shortly thereafter, two minutes later, uh, Mackenzie McEachern and Carl Gunnarsson, who looked real bad in this game, <laughs> uh, <laughs> lost it down low. Uh Kane got it and hit Strom right in front again. I don't think there's a, a ton Jordan Bennington can do there. Uh, which I guess the good news of that is I think he looked pretty sharp and you can't blame him for either of the goals. The bad news is the defense did not look particularly sharp. Um, 
Gunnarsson also got hurt at one point and walked down the uh, walked down the the tunnel there. So Blues hockey is back. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he also came back. Didn't so, Blay also know, get hurt at one point? Here. Yeah, Blay also walked down the tunnel and then came back. Um, I was like, ah, oh, just dagger me. In. <laughs> I was noticing as I was writing down who scored these goals that it is. Truly remarkable how one-dimensional the Blackhawks are in terms of forward threats. I mean, they all scored multiple <laughs> points in this game, and that's how they win, but you're just not getting depth support on that team beyond, mm. you know, five or six guys. Uh, Taves, Kane, Debrinkat, uh, Kubalik this year, and uh, Kirby Doc more and more. Um, mm. And then Brandon Saad, in this case, uh, did pretty well, but... In any case, uh, progressed to the third period. Blackhawks got a pair of power plays, scored on both of them. The first one was Kubalik's first goal, Doc and Kane assisting. Kane picked Gunnarsson's pocket from behind. There was lots of intricate passing, excuse me. Um, And uh, Kubalik got it and buried it. And uh, Gunnarsson was screening Allen during that. But it wasn't fantastic. Um, yeah, I don't know. What did you think about that goal in general? That this, I think maybe this was the one that I saw coming. I remember even thinking that when I saw um, Gunnarsson lose it. And I was like, I don't, like, we were hemmed in the zone for a very long time on that penalty kill. And I remember thinking, I think, I think this will be a goal. And it was, and it was just, Blues hockey's back. Yeah, it was uh, it was not pretty. Um, it was never going to be pretty, I guess. But uh, it was uh, then the second goal. I did I, the fourth goal. Uh, Kubalik's second goal. I don't even want to talk about it. Twelve oh four into the fourth third period. I'm making up periods now. Uh, but Taves and Doc assisted. It was a good entry. Kubalik got it in the slot, and then he shot literally right through Jake Allen. Just yeah, Pang, Pang tried to him. apologize for this one a little bit, and he kind of ran out of steam. I was just kind of like, yeah, Allen probably wants that one back. And I was like, yep, we, you could have just said that from the top. Yeah, I mean, it was... I don't know, man. Like I'm, you know, it's it's one goal. I know it's it's fine. It's not pick on Jake Allen time, but like. It's not like that's not him. I don't know. You know, we can pretend that's not him, but that's him all over. So, <laughs> you know, whatever. By that one, I, I was having a good time. I think I was having a good time. <laughs> you, were, you were through to the point of like, oh, I just, whatever, you know. Yeah, uh, it really was. I mean, it's funny because I feel like I have like some mental resiliency, but outside I feel like I'm automatically like, yeah, we're not going to, we're not going to win. Just dagger me. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it was a, it was a nightmare <laughs> and it was the Blackhawks, <laughs> but it's a play, like, it's a meaningless game. So it's hard to balance. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How do you feel afterwards? I think you made yeah, some I... good points to me this morning by text about just, you know, what the team is, but go ahead and say whatever you'd like. Yeah. It's, um, it's mixed emotions because really it's. A meaningless game and it is kind of a wake-up game and it's like well if you're gonna have a wake-up game might as well have it be in your meaningless game and uh i will admit that i definitely think there's a disparity between how these two teams approach the game obviously mm-hmm. with the score in mind but like just in terms of like what's going on next with these teams like the blackhawks this was their one tune-up game 
and then they play Edmonton on Saturday, I think. And like that, if they lose the next game, they're already down, you know, one nothing in the series. If the Blues lose their next game, it's against the Avalanche, and we go, well, that sucks, and nothing happens. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I know we can all gripe and moan about seeding and everything. I don't care. I'm sure the players say they care. I'm sure they kind of don't care either. Um, so really, we have like three more warm up games, if you will. And so I think the Blues were like, all right, this one really doesn't count. So, you know, we're going to try our hardest. And no, we didn't really. So that's okay. Um, but having said what I just said about those other three games kind of being meaningless to the Blues, they do need to kind of approach them like they're the end of the season mm-hmm. and you're leading up into the playoffs again. We're like, I'm not saying you have to win all three and be gangbusters in all of them, but you do need to start ramping it up to the point where like, I would love for you to just wipe the floor with Dallas, you know, two Sundays from now and look very competitive at very least against Vegas to kind of ramp up and have some confidence going into whatever series you end up falling into. I would hate for us to be kind of middling through all three games or even kind of lose the last two or just kind of, eh. again, it doesn't really matter until we start playing within a series, but it's still kind of like, all right, let's tune it up. Let's see what we have. Let's work out the kinks. Um, and then and then we can talk about my worries of if this team doesn't work out the kinks and then they go into a series, you're going into a, a series where the team you're facing already won a series. And they're way more, you know, they're a lot hotter than you are. So um, despite what Joel Quinville says about momentum, it really does exist. It is a thing. Um, and I would just like the Blues to slowly be able to ramp it up. But I think I'm stating the obvious. I feel like that's true for every Blues fan. They'd like to see them start working it out a little bit more. I don't know if they're going to do it against the Avalanche because I'll say it right now. I think the Avalanche are strong cup contenders, but mm-hmm. who's, who knows? Yeah, I, I think everything you said is really smart. And I think it's important not to get too panicked about this game. I also think it would be dumb to just be like, ah, it's an exhibition game, who cares? Because that hasn't been the attitude of most teams in this playoffs, the the exhibition games I've seen. To be fair, I was surprised by this, but they seem mostly competitive. And I think it was Mm -hmm. smart by the NHL to make them rivalry games for the most part. Um, Yeah, that was cool. I liked that a lot. Because, you know, both from a viewership aspect, but also that's going to motivate the players to play harder too, probably. So I think that was a good call. Um, but you know, the fact that you lay a nothing burger against the team you beat swept this season that are your arch rivals, I wouldn't call it a good sign. I wouldn't call it fantastic. (laughs) Um, but you know, they do have three more games to tune up that have, as you said, really no significance whatsoever. I mean, it's great to seed higher, but it really doesn't matter after that first series momentum and everything's going to be so crazy and no one who's advancing even potentially from the eight teams below us should conceivably beat us in a seven game series. Right. So like, or is mm-hmm. it five? It's seven for the real rounds, right? All of them. Or yeah, I know it is. It is. And that's okay. something I even forget. Cause I'm like, yeah. man, if you lose game one, you could lose two more and be out. And I'm like, ah, no, you have to lose three more. <laughs> so yeah. I'm like, we well, got a little padding there too. So like, well, we'll talk about the teams obviously, but like, you know, none of those teams should threaten you if you're the defending Stanley Cup champions in a seven-game series. So, like, it doesn't matter if you're first or fourth in the seeding, to me. You've already won, quote-unquote, the Western Conference. Um, 
and the central division, you know, for banner raising purposes, I guess. So who mm-hmm. cares? You know? Oh no, um, yeah. I'm, and if, I agree. if you're the predators, God knows what kind of banners you could get out of that, you know? <laughs> um, um, participants. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but, um, it's not good. It doesn't leave a good taste in your mouth. It's not what you waited four and a half months to see. Um, so, you know, none of that is, is fun. Um, the blues are also kind of a non sequitur, but they're going to lose Ivan Barbashev for good reasons. Uh, his wife is expecting a baby. It's kind of weird to me that they brought him to the bubble though, just to mm-hmm. send him home early, you know, and they've yeah. even talked about how these like, he's going to come, he might come back. And uh-huh. I'm like, yeah. He's going to go see the birth. And the, I guess, I assume he'd have to quarantine. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know if you're going to be able to make it in time, but yeah. just, just hang out at home. It'd come back. I mean, I guess if we go deep, he'd come back, but like... Yeah, that's true. But, you know, who knows at this point. Um, You want to talk about these uh these matchups? I'm excited to talk about the matchups, Ian. I've been dying to talk to you about like... the matchups. <laughs> uh, do you want to do like, that first, ever? or do you want to do Cheka first? Um... Let's do Chaka first. Okay. Let's get Chaka out of yeah, the way. Yeah, I feel like that's a good meaty discussion, and Chaka's just crazy. Uh, <laughs> so, God, this all unfolded over the last week, I guess. John Chaka, who was the youngest general manager in hockey, uh, the, you know, uber stats nerd of the GM pack. Uh, no pun intended, Coyotes being a pack. You know, that was just a happy accident. Oh. But uh, <laughs> Well done. But uh, John Chaka... What was the initial report? Was that like Elliot Friedman was like, yeah, his desk is empty or something like that? Yeah, yeah, it was something like Elliot like stumbled into his office. It sound like he's like, oh, he's not here. I think, I think Elliot with that grizzled beard tried to break into his office and find a bottle of schnapps and uh, <laughs> couldn't find anything in the desk. And he started to put two and two together. Of course, at that point with that beard, it added up to seven, but he figured it out eventually. <laughs> Um, shave, Elliot, please. I have too much respect for you to look like that. I know. Please. Come on, Just, buddy. Please, no. man. Um, but in any case, uh, the Coyotes issued the following statement eventually after what felt like four or five days of speculation, but was probably only like 36 hours. Uh, there was at one point a no comment, but then they finally said, and I got to tell you, and I love this statement. Uh, oh, it's lovely. They said, John Chaka has quit as the general manager and president of hockey operations for the Arizona Coyotes. The club is disappointed in his actions and his timing as the Coyotes prepare to enter the NHL's hub city of Edmonton, where the team will begin postseason play for the first time since 2012. Cheka has chosen to quit on a strong and competitive team, a dedicated staff, and the Arizona Coyotes fans, the greatest fans in the NHL. Eh. That that part was like, hold on, hold on. on." (laughs) Let's pump the brakes a little bit. The club is moving forward and has named Steve Sullivan, uh, read random old white guy, as interim general manager. He has the full support of the entire organization, even though most of them don't know his name, including team ownership, executive leadership, players, and coaches. The club will have no further comment on the matter as the club remains focused on the opportunity to pursue a Stanley Cup for the club. That third for the club was my own addition. But uh, that, that last statement sounds so um, 
for being a very I don't know toothful mm -hmm. statement. The last one is so toothless yes. just because it's like we're gonna have we're gonna focus on the opportunity for, to pursue the Stanley Cup. Don't most teams say like we're gonna pursue like the Stanley Cup mm -hmm. or we're gonna go win the Stanley Cup? Most teams say that. We're just happy to be here. Yeah, most teams say that, but the uh, Coyotes are not most teams. That's um, true. Yeah, but I mean, as you mentioned, I, I, I honestly love that this statement is just kind of like, screw this guy, you know? I like, mean, what I've, I guess like because it's the NHL, they could have been really, they could have been really boring. And yeah. Like, you know, but like, yeah, it's like a, given what happened, given the fact that the GM just straight up quit. Uh, it makes me think like, man, they, they, you gotta say this. Cause you gotta be like, we're not, we're not party to this. This isn't cool. This isn't what we're here about. You know, we, you've totally botched this, especially cause we're about to start the playoffs and everything. And it's, I don't know if I've ever, if that I can remember like a GM just quitting. Normally they're just fired. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, I, that's, that's true. And I get, I mean, I, I assume to his credit that John Chaco was paid like dirt by NHL GM standards. But uh, to just quit on your team entering the Stanley Cup playoffs, no matter the oddness of the timing thereof, seems like a real dirtbag move to me. <laughs> um, and I never had any problem with John Chaco before, but that seems like a real, real bad decision for your future in the game. Um, and I kind of appreciate the Coyotes for just saying, yep, this is what happened. Sucks. You know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I just like it. I do feel bad for the Coyotes because it's like the NHL has tried so hard. And the Coyotes are probably doing better than they ever have in terms of just like notoriety or having like fun players on their team. Mm -hmm. I mean, right now, at least for the time being, they've got Taylor Hall and they've got Phil Kessel and you've just got some young guys coming up and they're fun and they're now the jerseys aren't shit and just like you know yay um and i just feel bad that it feels like there's always something with arizona and it and i always feel bad because it never feels like it's like sometimes it feels like external problems you know or it feels like hey we're a good team and it's like yeah but you're in the desert so no one cares or now you've got this gm that quits on you or like your owner says fuck it we're not building a new stadium really goes ah fuck it we, we don't even want to own you anymore and it's like, <laughs> oh man it's just constant dirt in the eyes and the weird thing about john chaco though i want to mention was i saw this on uh twitter and on social media a lot was it seemed like a lot of a lot of old a lot of old white guys in hockey wanted to say well john chaco quit and you know i guess that means uh analytics are dead and then mm -hmm. but then i also saw the analytics like crowd be like no 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 john shake was never actually one of us and analytics are alive and well and i'm like wait a second i thought he was an analytics person people are like actually if you look at like the analytics of what analytic people are he was a minus 10 or whatever and you're like what huh i'm so confused if you look at john it's like he was an analytic person until he quit mm-hmm if you look at John Chaka's expected trades above replacement, he was actually very poor. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just a bizarre you, story. What, what do you make of his tenure? Like, what do you? Th how do you think he did? I don't know, because, like, I kind of thought he was f fine to bordering on not that good. 
but then he got the big extension and he made the Hall trade and he got him back into the playoffs finally. Like, he is working, any GM in Arizona, as you just alluded to, is playing against a stacked deck um, to try mm-hmm. and make hockey succeed there. So I respect anyone who takes on that effort. But it seemed like maybe they were getting somewhere, even, you know, bringing Kessel in. They did some interesting things. Um, they've got some good young players, but man, it just fell apart and then he's gone, you know, like it's just so bizarre. I don't know. How do you feel about it? Yeah, I do. I was kind of just disappointed, I Uh guess, as I always thought like he's doing, he's doing as well as I think he can, but I was always like, it's like a young player you draft and they, they don't quite pan out yet. You're like, I just think there's just a little more you know there might just is there a little more is there something he's got up his sleeve and it never felt like it was quite there Mm -hmm. felt like he was always doing interesting things but the interesting things never quite was like oh damn that's you know that pushed him over the hump they're just kind of like yeah that's cool that's like a kind of cool retool move that's like a neat trade um but yeah it just never seemed like it was it was gelling yeah i think that's right i mean i i expect I guess what it is really is that I expected John Chaka to either be like the wunderkind of the NHL and just tear everything apart and be amazing or flame mm-hmm. out inconceivably mm-hmm. badly. Like when they hired him, you know, when he was that young and they hired him. And I just realized I called him the youngest GM in the league before, but I don't know that he's younger than Kyle Dubas is now, but he had been for a long time the youngest GM in the league before. But Kyle any, Dubas who is soon to quit. Yeah, yeah, I will be out any day. But in any case, like I think so I think it was sort of disorienting that he was just kind of like, eh, he's fine. You know, he's okay and he's not great and that's all it is. Yeah, I was like, oh, I guess you're like all the other ones. Yes, (laughs) exactly. You're just a younger version of the boring GMs everybody else has. (laughs) Um, Before we move on, I have to read this because I got uh, a message from my boss, uh, CEO, who messaged me about some work-related thing. And uh, I told him that I was podcasting and would get back to him. And he said, do you need me to call in and talk about Saren Seco? Spelled exactly like that because he knows less than you can conceive of about hockey. Uh, And I told him, (laughs) yes, but only if you pronounce it exactly how you spelled it. But then he said, and this is the part I want to get to, uh, he said, at least Pasternak came through for the Bruins so they didn't get shut out. And then he said, yes, Stephen, question from an avid hockey fan in Pontevedra Beach. Would you say Bjorkstrand's first or second assist tonight was more impressive? It is a good thing Bjorkstrand didn't get called for hooking before the second assist. <laughs> was he like a, ro- was this like a robot? Yeah, I think so. I think, he t- I think he had a robot type it. He can afford that. He probably uh, had a hockey robot type it. But I just like that uh, even even non-hockey knowing boss manages to pick Oliver Bjorkstrand, who has haunted me since like NHL 13. Um, as a player, I mean, I liked him. I do like him still, but I have always, weirdly, his name has stuck out to me, partially because it's Bjorkstrand. And partially mm. because I had him way back when on one of the ancient NHL games, and it's come back around. Ian, are you ready to talk about matchups? I've been dying to talk to you about the matchups. Oh, yeah. Can we talk about the matchups, please? Um, I am ready. Let's do it. Let's go from most lopsided to least lopsided. <laughs> um, this is going to be interesting. Fans, 
of hockey end of the podcast. No, of course, that these will be five-game play-in series. The winners will advance to the official Stanley Cup playoffs, and the losers will advance to the Alexi Lafreniere sweepstakes. Uh, so high stakes either direction. Uh, the play-in rounds will be played under regular season rules, I believe, right? So if a game goes to overtime, it'll be three-on-three overtime, which is terrible. <laughs> so wait, will they go to a shootout then? Oh, God. Please, Ooh. no. I hope it's Do at not least three-on-three like... three until there's a winner. I am glad we are not a part of this. Oh Wait, my or God. maybe, or maybe it's not. Or are they? Is, are they doing regular overtime or playoff No, they're overtime doing three on these? three. I know for sure because they just. Okay. Said, I just heard them say it in one okay. of the games that. Because I know for time. like the round for the round robin one, they'll for sure just do. Oh no 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 no! Regular. You're right. You're right. I've got it reversed. The round robin is three on three. This is no. This is like playoff overtime. I think. Okay, because okay. I was like, man, if I was involved in, if the no. Blues were involved in this and they lost <laughs> in a shootout or something, oh my god. No, thank you, thank you for correcting me. You got it right. I was wrong. So my bad. Um, so yes, if they go to overtime, I assume it will be a full normal playoff overtime. Uh, I kind of be bad. I'd kind of be okay with three on three, just not in an elimination game. You know, <laughs> like give mm-hmm. me the whole thing. No, yeah, I'm game. with you there. The Edmonton Oilers take on the Chicago Black Blackhawks in a series I will call the Young versus the Restless. Um, <laughs> the uh, ancient um, Chicago Blackhawks are actually the youngest average age in the tournament. Is that true, Ian? I, I think of like the 31 skaters they brought, so maybe it skews yeah, kind of yeah, young because yeah, yeah. everyone extra they brought is crazy young. But they do kind of have some younger guys. Yeah, I mean, they've got Kirby Doc, Boquist and Doc, and yeah. Um, Adam Boquist, a lot of young talent, uh, but anchored by that, and I do mean anchored by <laughs> that aging core. Um, can they keep up with McDavid and Dreisaitl? My answer is no, they cannot. I believe the Edmonton Oilers may win this in two games, uh, but probably will take at least three and maybe four. I just, I don't see, and even as, as much as the Blackhawks just beat us, I mm-hmm. do not see how they beat the Oilers. Because you're just, I mean, in, in this round, baby, you're just going to let McDavid go. How are you going to stop McDavid 25 minutes a night and Dreisaitl 25 minutes a night, even if most of those are the same minutes, you know? (laughs) And we forget, and this has been one of the fun experiments of the reopening of all of this, we forget that the Oilers actually made a bevy of interesting moves right at the deadline, bringing in uh, Andreas Athanasiu, most notably, but some other players, Tyler Ennis, I think, joined them as well. so they're a little bit deeper than we think of them as being. And, um, you know, certainly focused on speed, which I think for that team is smart. I mean, if you can't add a lot of talent, uh, and I do mean that as a backhanded compliment, uh, <laughs> you can at least just find guys that are fast enough to keep up with McDavid. And I think they did that in both Ennis and Athanasiu. Um I just don't know how this Blackhawks core and especially that defense keeps up with that. I think their their best chance is just a you know you just win a gun battle 
and Kane, you know, plays at uh, his disgustingly Hall of Fame level, and Kubalik and Doc are both, you know, really strong, and I think that's their best shot, but I don't think they get it done. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I put Edmonton in four because I think maybe Chicago gives them gives them hell in at least one game. Um, but yeah, Edmonton this past year had the best special teams in the league mm-hmm. uh, combined. Like they had the first power play in the league, they had the second PK, which is kind of crazy. Um, the one shortfalling they do have is their goals for per game was like pretty middling and same with their goals against per game. So like if you can keep, if Chicago can keep out of the box and keep it five on five, I think they have a much better chance, obviously like any team would uh, advancing past the Oilers. But I think if they play on discipline, they're just going to be a three Oh right away for the Oilers. And the thing of it is you've got a young Chicago team that like, I don't know, they're going to be deer in the headlights against some of these guys on the Oilers. I don't think they're going to be, if they're either just not going to stop them or they're going to try and stop them and take penalties. And then Edmonton's just going to light them up anyways. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, if Chicago beats Edmonton, I'll be absolutely shocked, but I just think this is Edmonton's Edmonton series to series to lose. If you will. Yeah, I think I agree with you. Um, also Chicago's power play this Past season, you know, four and a half months ago, twenty eighth. So uh, that's fun for the Blues and their two power play goals they allowed. Twenty eighth <laughs> on the power play. That's uh, that's not good. Um, yeah, I just mm. I uh, Edmonton isn't good and isn't deep, and their goalkeeping is atrocious. So although it, was, it held up over the course of the season, it wasn't that bad. Which when you're stitching together Miko Koskinen and Cam Talbot is pretty extraordinary, but, um, I know I was going to say, if you uh, asked me to name, wait, who they, Cam Talbot, anymore, no, they have, forget. they have Mike Smith now, right? Sorry. Cause they did. Yeah. Their, they got the other one. They did the dipsy doodle. They did the old Edmonton, Alberta switcheroo. Uh, as, mm-hmm. you know, everybody calls it. Um, but either way, either Mike Smith or Cam Talbot, they both suck. So it's really, it's immaterial. Uh, <laughs> but I do think that's Edmonton series to lose. Um, the Fang series between the Nashville Predators and the Arizona Coyotes. Um, this is an interesting one. This is a team, you know, I think I think a lot of people, myself included, thought Nashville were positioned to be a really dominant team in the league for a long time when they ascended to that Stanley Cup playoff run against the Penguins. And I think history will look back at that as kind of the apex of this generation of the Predators. I don't see how they can get back to that level, um, you know, by bringing in mismatched pieces like Duchesne and and whoever they brought in. Yossi obviously is really good and not ancient, but they've lost Subban. Forsberg, I think, has just completely fallen off in terms of being a, a true, true difference maker. Um, I don't know what you think about the Predators in general, uh, but I think it is an interesting matchup against of that team, uh, who seems to be on the on the downswing, and a young, hungry Coyotes team who may be now pissed off by the fact that their uh, their general manager left them, um, and they've got Taylor Hall, who's going to have something to really prove if he wants to make big bucks this summer. Um, or fall or whenever they sign contracts. Uh, but uh, it's I think this is one of the more compelling matchups in the whole thing. You, I mean, you can call me crazy, but what do you think about these two squaring off? 
Yeah, initially I thought this was going to be kind of a boring matchup. And I also thought it was going to be the Predators who I was going to pick for winning this series. But the more I sort of dug into how Nashville did this year, mm-hmm. the more I kind of realized, man, I don't, I, like you said, I don't think they have it. Their power play was 25th. Their PK was 29th. So they're like just awful on special teams. And then their goals for was for like per game was like 16th most. Their goals against was 20th fewest. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, being like in the worst. And Arizona, again, not big on scoring necessarily, but their defense, <laughs> their defense, uh, PK's fifth. Their goals against uh, per game was third fewest. Uh-huh. I mean, a, a lot of this ends up being uh, Darcy Kemper's work, you know, go Milkman go. But yeah, they turn again, out, they feel like a hitch system. Sorry to interrupt, but they feel almost like a hitch system in which whoever they put in net is just great. You know, like doesn't seem to matter much. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I mean, they managed to turn some goalies that have sort of been looked over in other places or just general backups, you know, elsewhere mm-hmm. um, into really stellar goalies uh, with Ranta and with uh, with Kemper there. And just seeing how good their defense was this year makes me think that if they can just hold on to that and play a pretty tight system, I don't think Nashville, despite all the names, despite having, you know, the uh, – the Duchesnes and the the Terraces and the Johansons and everything of the world. Like we've said, those are names we all remember and we're all like, oh yeah, those are good players. And somehow they just, they don't have the firepower that you think they do associated with that name. And it makes me think that Arizona is actually going to have an easier time with us than a lot of people think. Mm -hmm. So for me, I put Arizona in five just because I do think Nashville, Nashville can get hot. Arizona doesn't score a lot, so there might be some 2-1 Nashville wins, but I do think Arizona is going to pull it out in the end. Arizona is a team that scares me in this competition in general, and not just because they have had the Blues number all season, but I just think it's, you know, maybe this tournament is totally boring and totally predictable, and you just get, you know, you get down to the Final Four, and it's like, oh, Penguins, Bruins, you know, Avalanche, now blues or whoever you know like four Mm -hmm. pretty predictable unsurprising teams but it seems to me like if if it's going to be a team that advances far it's going to be a team like the coyotes who just really aren't on anyone's radar you know Mm -hmm. i think a lot of people are looking at like the canucks or the Panthers, or even the Rangers as teams where it's like, oh man, they're young and, and so talented. If they just get hot, they could really get far. But like, it feels like the Coyotes are that right mix of like, they have the experience in guys like Kessel, um, you know, the coach is experienced, but the players are still, there's a lot of young hunger there. And there's a, a willingness to not be overlooked on the stage that they haven't been to in most of a decade. Plus you add in the element of their GM abandoning ship. That just seems like a recipe for a team that could really surprise some people. And I hope they do. I mean, I've never disliked the Coyotes, so I I would like to see them do it here. Um, I am surprised by your pick uh, in the Canucks Minnesota Wild Series, (laughs) uh, which... uh, you know, will be the Green Machine series. I don't know. I'm trying to name these. Give them cute <laughs> names. Uh, the Canucks played the the um, 
Winnipeg Jets last night, or as I call them, the ugly stepchildren of Canadian hockey teams, both of them, uh, which is <laughs> due respect to the Ottawa Senators, who are the adopted child that stands out so much in photos that people are uncomfortable to ask about it. But uh, the <laughs> Canucks and Wild, just uh, give me your take, because I don't want to step on the toes of what you've predicted here. So... I think this is going to be a really close series. Um, I feel like I've said that a lot of these minus the, the Oilers one there, but both these teams scored a decent clip, surprisingly enough, and they both get scored on a decent clip as well. So it could just be, you know, some 6-5 games, surprisingly. I think you wouldn't be surprised to see the Canucks with that sort of score. You'd be a little more surprised to see the Wild with that. And really, it's a matter of youth versus experience, and I think you just – Honestly, for me, it felt like you kind of flip a coin where it's like, do you think just the overwhelming youth of the Canucks and, you know, you've got Patterson, you've got uh, Hughes, you've got, who else am I thinking of here? You've got Besser, you've got Horvat, you've got Toffoli, who they acquired. Like, you've got guys that are fairly young. That's another one I um, heard the other day where I was like, oh, sure, Tyler Toffoli, yeah. the Canucks. You're like, yes. oh, yeah. Naturally. I can't see him in not a black jersey. <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. It was kind of weird. I texted you the other day in one of, I think it was the very first exhibition game when Jason Zucker scored. And I was like, ah, yes, Jason Zucker, the penguin that he's always been. <laughs> yeah, storied penguin. Um, but I don't know what it is, but something is like, I don't think the youth of Vancouver is like quite ready yet. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to look amazing. And then I think they're also going to be stymied by the wild more than maybe some people think. And so for that, re- for just that weird hunch, I feel like it's going to be the wild and it's going to be very close. I think if either of these, whichever team wins, I think it's going to be in five because I just think the wild aren't a team to me that's going to get swept. Mm-hmm. I think they just have a lot of experience, quote unquote experience. Not really, you know, like winning experience, but they have experience. They've been the playoffs. They're old. You're saying they're old. <laughs> yeah, they're very old. Um, that they just know how to treat a series and how to uh-huh. how to play in one and I, I don't know if the young Canucks do quite yet so we'll see if the Canucks win I will not be surprised in the least but I do think maybe the wild just take the edge here and then I'll be honest next the next round they'll just get flattened but you know <laughs> you've made a compelling argument I got to tell you and I think there is an interesting element here too where guys like Sutter and Parise are getting an opportunity that they might not really have again. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially with at their age, with their bodies being beaten up, you're now even if you get to the playoffs again, you're never going to come in really fresh. Um, and so, you know, I could see some added uh, desperation there. Uh, Kirill Kaprizov is not a factor in this, right? He doesn't come over until next season. Um, yeah, like they sign him, but he can't play. But. Um, I think I think I'm I'm really interested by what you've said. I think the X factor here is going to be Jacob Markstrom, uh, and to a lesser extent uh, Devin Dubnik. But I just think uh, <laughs> that's just a sentence you can always say. Yeah, to a lesser, <laughs> to a lesser extent, extent, Devin Dubnik. Uh, but I think Markstrom has played out of his mind, out of this world, good for this season, and to be fair, a big chunk of last season. Uh, and he's playing for that contract, and I think it's just going to be, you know, if he if he can shut it down and be a brick wall, I don't think, I think you're correct in the sense that I don't think Minnesota is going to be able to truly contain 
Vancouver's scoring threats. I think they've got too much talent there, and you know, especially on the power play, Hughes is too good. He is he it's so good that kid, and uh, obviously Pedersen and Besser, uh, Toffoli now some of those guys. Um, Vertanen did not play in the exhibition game, but he is there, and it didn't seem to be like a a COVID thing, so I assume he's going to play. Uh, they talked to Jim Benning during intermission. He was kind of a weirdly evasive about it and said they wanted to look at other players. So don't know what's going on there. But um, my point is, like, if, if Markstrom's great, I don't think the Wild will be able to do enough to both contain the Canucks offense and score enough on Markstrom to get it done. But if Markstrom's a little shaky, um, I think... I think you've made an interesting argument. Tell me, Ian, because this is another mm-hmm. thing I've completely forgotten. Bruce Boudreaux, no longer the head coach of the Minnesota Wild, correct? Correct. So they don't have poison there. Who, oh, that's true. Who is the head coach of the Minnesota Wild? Is it the, some young guy? Last, Was it the Iowa Wild coach? His last name's like Evanston? Evanson? Did they it's like be, Dean Evanson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did they just promote their AO, AHL guy? Uh, no, I think he was an assistant. He was an assistant. Okay, well, whatever yeah. the case, it's not Bruce Boudreaux. So uh, I have a lot of respect for Bruce Boudreaux, but to deny that he chokes in the playoffs like Adam Wilde once tried to do is patently insane. Uh, so he can't do that now because he's not there. It doesn't work like that. So, Although and they're in a bubble. There, if they still had him there, he wouldn't be able to choke in game seven. That's right. No it's also seven. true because they couldn't play it. But um, they're in a bubble. They're insulated <laughs> from his poison. I think I'm still going to say Vancouver wins this, but I think you made a really interesting argument, and I'm excited to see... Uh, if you're correct, because I think you could be. I, I don't know. That's uh, oh, when you said it. When when I read it here, I was like, I even just wrote Minnesota in five. <laughs> when you said wrote it down here and I read it, I was like, you're out of your mind. And it seemed very un Ian in particular. But um, I I root against the wild, but I also I try not to underestimate them. That's that's smart. I think that's a good position to be in for mental health's sake. <laughs> the Calgary Flames and the Winnipeg Jets, they are both in the western half of Canada, I guess. Winnipeg's like right in the middle. Um, mm. They're both truly underwhelming. Um, God, these teams just both bore the hell out of me. And can I be honest with you? <laughs> can I be real honest See, with you? It's funny that you say that because I wrote down like, oh, I think this is going to be a really good and fun series. Like, I'm excited. Everyone's like, ooh, it's a, a, you know, two Canadian teams, not necessarily the Battle of Alberta, but, you know, Battle of, like, the Plains uh-huh. provinces. Ooh, cool, fun. And the more I looked into it, the more I w- agree with you. I was like, I don't know, man. I think this is going to be a snooze fest. <laughs> and the amount people i have read go oh this is calgary flames in the sweep i mean not really but you know calgary flames in a walk you know no problem i'm like are you out of your fucking minds okay first of all connor hellbuck steals this one for winnipeg no question who does hellbuck is that what you said yeah hellbuck steals this for winnipeg no question and also did you watch calgary get pantsed by the avalanche (laughs) last year like Nothing has ever no. been a walk for Calgary in this era. I think that's the whole story of this era of Calgary, yeah. isn't it? I wrote it down. Calgary's core is good on paper, but it's about as thin as paper when it hits the ice. Like, yeah, their core, their core. 
Johnny Goudreau, you can't deny it. 80 point season and stuff. Fantastic. Uh, I don't want to harp on, on, on Matthew Kachuk, but a great, again, like a great power forward two way guy, you know, manages 60 point seasons. Um, Monahan, great guy, like, you know, great regular season points, all that stuff. They do not do it in the playoffs. <laughs> Johnny Goudreau, like the Calgary Flames don't have a star. And the Winnipeg Jets have at least three. Yeah, if you if you look at their cores and you go, well, Winnipeg's has been a little underwhelming recently. Uh-huh. It's like, sure, yeah. But if one of them is going to turn it on, it is the Winnipeg Jets. Yeah, I you people may call me crazy, but I take Hellebuck and Blake Wheeler and Patrick Wine ahead of Johnny Goudreau, and I don't have to think about it that hard. Maybe I know Patrick Wine hasn't quite been as much as we people had hoped but man i just i don't know goudreau i think is is that kind of like that kind of keith kachuk pierre turgeon we've talked about where it's like oh man they're really 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 good and someone's like you know come on man they're great and it's like "Eh," you know i don't know are they um i just think i've been thinking about this Lately, I mean, you know, because I was trashing on Canada last night. The Canadian teams, to me, by and large, are identityless. The <laughs> Maple Leafs have an identity, which is that I hate them. <laughs> but, but Calgary and Winnipeg, especially, are just like they're like a vanilla, like a, a non dairy vanilla milkshake. They are as plain and boring and uninteresting to me as you can get in the national hockey league even their colors seem muted although except for those uh, alternate flames jerseys oh my god mm. oh. oh those throwback so atlanta style ones mm. i can eat those up but um i just yeah i mean i i do think in the sense that you can put two pretty mediocre things together and because they're equally mediocre they can have an interesting competition i still think this could be like a compelling series in that way but i am not staying up till one in the morning to watch calgary play the winnipeg jets i will (laughs) not do it uh and i think you're right i just think connor hellebuck is is the guy who decides this series and he is he is not going to decide it in calgary's favor yeah like seriously like calgary already struggles to score in the playoffs when you have this guy that should be a heart nominee it's like i I don't know what to tell you i don't think i don't think it's happening calgary uh the yeah it's just i don't know that one doesn't seem close to me in terms i know I know the Jets are bad, are aren't good, but when you think about it, they made it to ninth with no defense. They have no defense at all, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's almost speaks in their favor. <laughs> I know, so it's, like it's, an, it's an accomplishment. Yeah, so it's like I don't know what to say about that, other than that, like if push comes to shove, and I have to bet whether the Calgary Flames will or will not do something, I'm always putting my money on will not. Um, and I think Jerome Ginla would, you know, would agree with me. So, 
That is that series. That is the Western Conference series. You did, you downgraded your pick to a four, huh? <laughs> yeah. You. I. The more we talked, the more I was like, I cannot say Winnipeg in five. It is Winnipeg in four. I won't. I won't be confident enough to say three. I don't think I said any of these would be sweeps. But uh, yeah, there's no. It's, I don't know. Calgary is just so underwhelming. The uh, yeah, the Western Conference top seeds are St. Louis, the Avalanche, the. Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. Those are two really good contending teams and also the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. (laughs) I think Colorado is a massive threat in these playoffs, as you already mentioned. I don't, do not want to think what a fully healthy that team plus a year of experience under Kale McCarr's belt plus, although, I mean, he probably will not play games three through five, but plus Nazem Kadri plus, um, <laughs> God, I know they added some other pieces, but like that team scares the daylights out of me. That speed that just on that raw unfiltered speed. If that's ever going to win you a playoffs, it's going to be this year and they have it in droves. Um, so they scare the hell out of me. Dallas, boy, I know I know that in theory they were good this year. Mm-hmm. I still do not understand how. I couldn't tell you what is compelling about the Dallas Stars. <laughs> They've got Ben Bishop. I, I think he's very good. I think he's underappreciated. I think if he had had fewer health issues during his career, we'd talk about him as a, as a truly great goalie. Uh, Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan are shells of them for their former selves, but shells of the former selves of Jamie Benn and Tyler Sagan are still adequate. Uh, I'm a big mm-hmm. Miro Heiskanen fan, but like in terms of what gives that team a heartbeat and makes them compelling and good, I got nothing. Their coach is a thousand, um, <laughs> you know, which good for them, I guess, but they don't interest me. And then Vegas... I don't know, man. Just like feels like the magic wore off a little bit in the playoffs last year. And they're still a fine team. Like they're a good team. They're a competitive team. But it feels like they're not a magic team anymore. And when you take the magic off, you realize that it's like, yeah, Mark Stone's really, really good. But he's still kind of boring good. And then beyond that, it's like Max Pacioretty and Paul Stastny and, and other boring good players. And I don't know that they had the star power to get it done. So with all of that said, we'll probably be last and the Golden Knights will be first. Uh, <laughs> but what do you think about these four teams? I Sorry to ramble on there for a minute. No, yeah, like I, I agree with you. Colorado, biggest threat to me probably in the entire Western Conference um, in terms of just who I think is going to end up in the in the uh, Stanley Cup final, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think with that being said, I think the order we end up in in terms of seeding is probably Colorado first. I'm hoping, despite the exhibition game, the Blues will end up second. Uh, and then it could be a mix of Dallas and third, Vegas and fourth, or the other way around. I'm actually kind of leaning a little higher on Vegas, maybe being third or even second, just because I do forget that they do have fairly good depth. And now they have, uh, I've completely forgotten until just recently, they have Robin Leonard as well as Mark Andre mm-hmm. Fleury. And so I think they have a, a, an amazing goaltending duo back there. I and should... I think they could, they could get it done. 
I think they're going to be done so long as everything gels. I did forget about the Lanier piece, and I should probably recognize that the way I feel about the Golden Knights is probably how most people feel about us. You know, like, they don't have any stars, they've got a lot of good pieces, but God, they can send four lines of really competent players at you. Uh, and three defensive pairing of just fine players, you know, and like that gets exhausting in a seven game series. If there's never a shift you can take off, you know, if you're never not against an above average NHL player. I think we talked about last week or the week before. That's one of the things that makes the Blues such a big threat, you know, is the mm-hmm. fact that Sammy Blay isn't a star and he'll never be a star, but he's a menace to play against. And if he's on the third line, think about who's ahead of him, you know, so, mm-hmm. um, I do. I should probably give the Knights more credit. I just, I feel like the the bloom is off the rose a little bit in the desert, and I I could be wrong. They could win this whole thing. I mean, they're any of these. Well, no, I don't think Dallas is a cup contender, but I do think any of the other three could do it. Um, and maybe yeah. Dallas could surprise me. I don't know. I was like, do you do you remember who? Um who the coach for the Vegas Golden Knights is right now. Oh, geez. Is it Pete DeBoer? It is. Oh, God, no wonder. I, I just thought it was funny. Him. That's probably it. That's probably. I thought it was just funny because I completely forgot. That's probably buried in my brain, and that's why I have suddenly soured on them. Uh, that little rusty old bitch is <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't, that'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the compete level is in those uh, play in, you know, seeding games because I could imagine it being not high. Uh, but we'll see. It'll be it'll be fun to watch. I'm excited to see the Blues take on those teams and get a better feeling for what they really uh, are like right now. Shall we move on to the mm-hmm. Eastern Conference? There, yeah, there are some fun ones over here. The, the more I looked into these, the more interested I was. The Pittsburgh Penguins versus the Montreal Canadiens. The Canadiens... Uh, I, I don't... I think the Canadiens could beat <laughs> the Pittsburgh Penguins. I really do. I do not think they want to win this series. I do <laughs> no, not believe right. franchise of Montreal... I don't believe the fans of Montreal are more interested in advancing to a first round that they will probably lose than they are having a one-eighth and, let's be honest, 100% chance of landing Alexi Lafreniere. I don't think they had the motivation, and I don't think it will be hard for Penguins to, for the Penguins to pick on a team that doesn't have the motivation. And I think the Penguins, not because of a skill gap, although there is some of that, but just because of a will gap, uh, are going to win this fairly easily. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I was just say if Price can get hot and Montreal can stick to playing their kind of like rough and tumble system, maybe uh, they can upset the Penguins. But otherwise. It's a series for the Penguins to win, and that's that's the way it is. And it's funny too that you mentioned like you know the franchise and the fans. Um, you know, front office probably don't really want to win the series, and I've heard people go, "Yeah, but the players do." And I'm like, "No, I understand. I think the players will try their hardest to play their hardest." But I think I could be wrong. I thought there were things where even the players were almost sort of complaining because they were like, "Man, I kind of just." assumed we weren't going to be in this and mm-hmm. so i was just kind of already planning on other shit to do 
And now you're like, you got to come in the bubble for, you know, even for however many days they actually are going to be away from their families. Like, man, this feels like a big hassle for like something I don't think is going to work out for us. And then two for the franchise, I I feel kind of bad because uh, they sold, they sold at the deadline and they were like, okay, now you're in the playoffs. It's like, well, I don't care. Kovalchuk's yeah. not on this team anymore, and among however many other people, Scandell is gone. Whatever, it's like we 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 don't care. Yeah, I think you're so right. So all the more reason for them to beat the Penguins. Yeah, and their best one of their best young players is you know diabetic, and there's been like oh he's at risk of COVID, which I don't think is probably true because he's so healthy and young. But like, I just he's think there, right? Yeah, Dome, I think he's he there, is. Yeah. He's there. Okay. But I mean, there's so many reasons for the Canadians to not be interested in winning this series that I think it's just like Carey Price can screw it up for them and win the series. But beyond that, I just don't, I don't, like I said, I think they could upset the Penguins, but they'd need to be motivated to do it. And I don't think they'll have the willpower and the desire to do what it would take to beat the Penguins. The Penguins are like, that's the thing. Go ahead. Oh, so that's the thing too. Is like, if they win the first game, they're like, "Oh, interesting," and maybe we got something to play for. But if they they lose like the first two or whatever, it's like instantly a sweep because there's no way they're like, "Well, we really gotta try in game three, guys. We gotta force it." Like, no, they're like, "Okay, we get it." The end. <laughs> yeah, the Penguins too are are beyond the lightning phase. They're not gonna just dick around and be like, "Oh, I guess we lost the series," you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know that they're uber motivated to win in this particular playoff which is still Mm -hmm. one of the big questions is like who is is youth or age on the whole going to be more successful in this in this playoff format i don't know but like pittsburgh will just play a good good enough hockey by accident to beat a team as much worse than them as the canadians are if the canadians aren't uber motivated and i don't think they will be so but it'll be interesting. I mean, that could that game mm-hmm. that series could still produce some good games. The Toronto Maple Leafs versus the Columbus Blue Jackets. John Tortorella, come on down, please. <laughs> this is the one. Do it again. The Giant Slayers from last year, the team that swept the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning in four games. Can they prevail against the Tampa Toronto Maple Leafs? Toronto, to me, is the team, and I I don't just say this because. They, I despise them so much, but Toronto to me is the team that will either be most benefited or most screwed over by this playoff format. I think we're going to find very quickly if this is a traditional playoff where it's very trappy and very boring and very physical and very slow and penalties aren't called, in which case Bye-bye, Toronto. Not necessarily in this series, but they're not getting anywhere. But Mm. if it's the opposite and it's the one playoffs where high power and skill and offensive prowess is the most dangerous weapon, then they're as strong a contender as anybody in that category. I have to give it to them. So um, this really is just like, do the Blue Jackets have the willpower uh, to get over the hump here. They did last year, but they were a much better team last year. They had all the pieces they traded for at the trade deadline. Uh, and I would say if they win this series, give John Tortorella every Jack Adams award. Just give him all of them. <laughs> Just rename um, it the Tortorella. 
But man, I mean, any team, any team is going to be uber motivated to play in a hub city against the hub city's home team, especially when it's Toronto. If you can beat Toronto in front of their home media, even if not in front of their home fans, you're going to be hungry to do it. So that's another challenge Toronto has to face throughout these playoffs. I think I will let discretion be the better part of what my heart wants and say that Toronto wins this. But I do think it will be a close series. I don't think they're just going to walk away with it. And also, if Toronto doesn't win it, it's a nuclear bomb. Like, if if Toronto (laughs) effectively misses the playoffs this year, bye-bye, everything blows up in that city, right? So, like, there's not... Do you, do you see the Toronto media being like, oh, well, you know, can't can't judge anything from this season. It was so weird, you know? I don't, not with that team. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean, think they've got a lot of pressure on their shoulders to show finally that they can do something, you know? And if they can't get out of the fake first round, that's going to be pretty bad for them. Yeah, I was going to say that That's what the media should say is like, eh, what can you do? It's a weird playoff format. But yeah, Toronto's media definitely not going to be that way. This matchup is so interesting to me because I was looking at some stats and it really is the unstoppable force versus the immovable object because the Toronto Maple Leafs power play this year was sixth. Their PK was 21st. Mm-hmm. Their goals for per game was third most. Their goals against per game was 26th fewest. So they got score. They score a lot and they get scored on a lot. The Columbus Blue Jackets are the flip side of that coin. Their power play was 27th. Their PK was 12th. Their goals four per game was 28th most, so pretty low. And their goals against per game was fourth fewest, so you know not very many goals scored against them either. So it really is Toronto scores at will and gets scored on just as fast. Columbus can't buy a goal, and neither can any of their opponents who they face. <laughs> so it's kind of like who blinks first. Again, it's... But like some of this, I think the Vancouver Minnesota series, and I think it's going to be very close. I think this has to go to five games. Like there's no other way around it. And it's just a matter of, you know, is it going to be a team's brick wall that's able to withstand the barrage? You know, is Columbus brick wall going to be able to withstand the barrage of like the Toronto Maple Leafs? And to me, I, I side with you where it's like, I just don't think the structure of Columbus and their defense will be enough to contain Tavares, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, all those guys. I, w- I would have thought the same thing last year against the Lightning, though, mm-hmm. too, to be fair. Yeah. But I also don't think... But they also had Matt is... Duchesne and Ryan Dezingle and all that yeah, last year. that's a good point. I didn't think about that. But yeah, and it's also the Lightning of last year, um, or the Lightning last year were kind of like a team that was weary and in search of like this cup they've been trying for for so long as a team Mm -hmm. as one team of the same players i think toronto's young and hungry and they're just going to approach us with a whole different mindset and it's just going to be wackadoo and crazy and i think their wackadoo is going to just beat the wall that is columbus but again i do think it is going to go to five games i don't think there's any way that either one of these teams takes it lightly if one of these teams goes "Eh, actually i think if toronto goes up 2-0 still anyone's series if Columbus goes up to a, I think they shut it down real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, is Frederick Anderson a trash goalie in October? Am I remembering that correctly? 
I believe so. I believe he's a slow starter. He's the David Backus of goalies. I'm looking. He's 9-11-269 in October, and he's also bad in February and March. Um, so that, you know, is an interesting thing to weigh in here. It's not October, obviously, but presumably those kinds of statistics have less to do with what month of the year it is and much more to do with the, <laughs> the effort of building back into the season. So, uh, you know, if, if Anderson's not on his game and he wasn't a lot in this, year, this season, then I think Toronto's in trouble. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be compelling and it could be interesting. And I think I could see Toronto just sweeping it. I mean, they've got the skill. They should be able to, but also it's Toronto. So... I'm not sure I buy that, you know. It's like nothing's easy. Yeah, they're not going to make it easy. That would be too that would be too easy, I guess. New York Islanders Florida Panthers. Oh, ugh, woof. <laughs> I like the Florida Panthers. I am not looking forward to this series. The New York Islanders, Ian, correct me if you disagree with me, are cancer. They are so dull <laughs> and so uninteresting to me. They don't have a home arena. Their jerseys haven't changed in a thousand years. They have one player that I can name. <laughs> I literally... Andrew Ladd. There's two. I, I thought of a second. Oh, boy. The other one was Andrew Ladd. Ooh. Or no, wait. Not Ooh. Andrew Ladd. Uh, the, who's the captain? Anders Lee. Same initials. Different okay, guy. Okay, there you go. Under, Andrew Ladd isn't there. Right, he's a no. Yeah. Oh, is well, he? I think he was at one point. Okay. Did they trade him again? They might have traded. Or was him he off. the guy they were supposed to trade for Parise and then didn't? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Anyway, in any case, the this is a matchup where one team has no skill and is exclusively trapping goaltending, and the other team has no goaltending or defense and is exclusively skill. <laughs> now, if Sergei Bobrovsky wakes up from whatever. $10 million induced booze coma he's been in all season. Florida could be a threat. You know, I mean, if he's two-time Vesna winner Sergei Bobrovsky again out of nowhere, that could be a problem. But he sure didn't look like it in the exhibition game. He sure hasn't looked like it all season. Uh, and that really could be an anchor around that team's neck for a long time with the cap crunch. Um, Spencer Knight can only get there so fast. And even if he gets there and they have five years left of play, paying Sergei Bobrovsky $10 million a year, it's not going to be a pretty picture. Uh, maybe he will Kovalchuk his way back to Russia and save them from themselves. But this series, I, I want Florida to win this so badly because they're so much more compelling as a team and as a story. And, mm -hmm. you know, the easy joke, they're used to playing in front of no fans, so that'll be no disadvantage to them. But, like... I just, I think the Islanders will win it because that's more boring and this is the NHL and that's probably what will happen. What are your thoughts? <laughs> like, Maybe you think this is the most compelling series. In a, in a Barry Trotz. Um, so if Toronto and Columbus, if that series is Mountain Dew, then the Islanders and Florida series is Diet Mountain Dew because <laughs> it's the same thing, just less than original. Uh because the Islanders don't score a lot, but they don't get scored on either. And Florida scores quite a bit, but they also can't keep the puck out of their own net. So, mm -hmm. and again, like you said, if Bobrovsky can show up, then I think it's Florida's series, but I don't think he will show up. And so 
where I picked Toronto in the last series because I thought their insane offense would crack the brick wall of Columbus. I think I have to choose the Islanders to win this series because I think their defenses are just that much stronger and can withstand the onslaught that Florida is going to try and bring. Yeah, I agree with you. And we've talked quite enough about that series as it is. This series, I think, is the one that I would like to catch every minute of every game. Oh, yes. The Carolina Hurricanes against the New York Rangers. Uh, Ian, I've been talking a lot. Why don't you lead with your thoughts? So this was going to be a lot of fun because for once, both teams can score. (laughs) Compared to what they did in the season four and a half months ago, Carolina, as power play was eighth, their PK was fourth. New York Rangers, their power play was seventh. Their PK, uh, not as great, 23rd. But like they're both really good on the power play. They both score a lot of goals. It's, I believe, what Carolina loaded up a little bit. They got Trocheck. I don't know if they got anybody else at the Brady deadline. Shea. I remember. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Brady Skaja. Uh, <laughs> he's there now. Didn't they but also like, get some other weird. Anyway, go ahead. I'll look up. I was like, they, they might have. But yeah, it's like these. Carolina was already a fun team to watch last year as they kind of walked through. Uh, who was it even again? They walked through like. The Islanders, who's there? Who they walked through in the beginning? Oh, well, Washington took them to seven, but then it was like the Islanders, and then they, they went up against Boston. And even though they got swept by Boston, I think they, they gave them a run for their money. They're a fun young team Sammy to watch. Sammy was the other player they got. I think. Who was it? Sammy Votnin. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. I saw the, the I saw whoever the beat writer is for Carolina. What a Frankenstein. And I remember thinking, why? This is, by the way. Just if I may interrupt you, first of all, I forget that Andrei Svechnikov is a thing and a very good thing. I mean, he's a very yeah. good player, <laughs> but uh, I forget that he's down there. Uh, Dougie Hamilton is healthy, I assume. I mean, I think he was healthy before this, but they've added Brady Shea and Sammy Votnin. Uh, Martin Netches is, is, I think, a full time part of the team now. Obviously, Pesci and Slavin. But uh, Nino Niederreiter is there, who is going to never not be a Minnesota Wild in my head. Ryan Dezingle, I forgot, signed there. Jake Gardner and Joel Edmondson are also <laughs> part of the team. How many Stanley of these people Cup are experience on the... with Joel Edmondson. So. How many of these people were on this team like three years ago? None. You know what I mean? Like, this team is Literally, a complete overhaul. Se- Sebastian Ajo, yes. Justin Williams, no, but he was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. How long's Teravinen been there? Not long. Not that long. Trade. Yeah, they've had they've just made a lot of trades and they've held on to the people they've traded. Yeah. Which you know, I mean, I get that's kind of the idea, but like it's kind of rare normally in trades. Is eventually the other team's like, ah, what you gave me was kind of broken goods, and they get rid of it. But they have actually turned a lot of their trades into like really good assets. Yeah, I think they've they've done a great job to hang on there, and I think that I mean I'm a huge Vincent Churchill fan. Uh, so, you know, it's hard to not see that as a steal in my eyes, but I think, you know, even if it is, even if he has really taken a step back, I don't think it hurts to add a good top six, middle six forward, you know, for what they put in form. Yeah. And Carolina looks like a fun, a really fun team, a young team. Uh, they could beat anybody, but they're not going to beat the New York Rangers because this is my team. <laughs> because I have, I really don't have a good reason. But like, there's, they've got Breadman, man. Like, they've got, they've got uh, Zabenajad. They've got, I can only name two people. <laughs> they've got Henrik Lundqvist, who's not going to play. Um, as long as they're not goalie. playing. Oh, I mean, he might play. I'm just saying, like, oh, he's okay. old as shit. Uh, 
Um, who's their goalie? They do these have, days? Uh, but, not Sam Sonoff. What's his name? Igor, Igor, Igor. Ozhiganov? <laughs> it's a different <laughs> That's guy. That's the one. Igor Ozhiganov. Oh my God. Shostorkin? Shostorkin, yes. Thank you. Shostorkin. Um, and I mean, do they still have Georgiev, Gurgiev? Yeah, I guess they do. Good point. It's because he's there. I mean, they're probably carrying three goalies. But yeah, like, I don't, I think the New York Rangers are like voodoo magic. I think they should have been in the playoffs anyways. Like by point percentage and the fact that they were like a crazy high scoring team. And I forget what it was. What was the reason they weren't in? Oh, it's because they actually like won games. They actually won games and they actually lost games. Oh, yeah. And it wasn't like they weren't the Columbus or they weren't Columbus. They weren't the Islanders who like only won a handful of games, but lost so many games in overtime in the shootout. And it was like the New York Rangers have had like three, four, five more wins, actual <laughs> wins than those two teams. And they weren't going to make the playoffs. And that's like, that blows my mind. <laughs> I'm like, they have more wins. Look at the number. It's just so much bigger. And they're like, yeah, but they're not going to make it. I'm like, how? <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. New York Rangers are like my, like my team, man. Like, I just want them. I, I want this team to advance and plow through teams so badly. And I have, like, no real reason to other than I think they're just, like, for being a New York team, uh-huh. being, like, the New York team, and they they always talk about how they're, like, first in, I don't know, first in jersey sales or first in, in, in popularity and stuff, only only like possibly second to like the Maple Leafs or whatever. But it never feels like that to me. Yeah. It feels like this is the one New York team that, um, you know, every New York, every sports league has two New York teams, generally speaking. And one's always the big team that everyone hates. And the other one's like the, the fun little scrappy underdog. Well, I feel like in hockey, you have the New York Islanders who no one gives a shit about, period. Mm. And then the New York Rangers are actually the fun, scrappy little team. They have no big team because the New York Rangers, even historically, are like the shittiest original six team. Yeah. And they've won what? Like, I mean, they won a cup, cups way back then, but like the one cup they won recently was in 1994. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're just, for being the New York team, they're not. And something about that is real endearing to me. I don't know why. And I'm like, yeah, go Rangers. I like your jerseys. I like what you're about. I like Madison Square Garden. I'd love to go there someday. I like I like the people on this team. I just want them to win so badly. Yeah, and I mean, I don't. I think you're probably right now that you mentioned it that Lundqvist won't play, but it is a chance that he wasn't. That's the know, guy who should I, get the cup. Yeah, as I was saying about uh, I forgot oh, Parise and Sutter. Like, this is a chance he wasn't ever going to get again. And now mm-hmm. he's got it, and this team is young and hungry, and I don't think they're going to win a cup. But I don't think they couldn't. I think there's enough talent there. Panarin is insanely good enough. Um, I, lo- I love their young talent. I'm more obsessed with their young talent than any other team. Kako and Fox alone, I just think, are both going to be mm-hmm. stars in this league. And... Yeah, I think every, I mean, they're just hard not, it's a hard team not to like. I spend a lot of my energy hating the Yankees, hating the Knicks, even though I don't care about basketball and they're god-awful. Hating the, (laughs) not, yeah, I don't really care about either the Giants or the Jets, they both kind of suck. But like, the Rangers are just fun. They're just, they just seem fun. Uh, Mm. Dan Quinn, is that their coach's name? Even he seems kind of chill and... (laughs) <laughs> and relaxed and, and cool. Uh, Lundqvist is a titan of goaltending. And, you know, you just have to respect him so much as a human being and as a supermodel. Um, 
I can't, I literally, like, you know how sometimes you'll see an article or a video where it's like, one reason I hate every NHL team or something like that. I couldn't mm-hmm. give you anything for the Rangers off the top of my head other than just they're in New York, you know? Like, mm-hmm. they are, they're just so fun right now, and, and I agree with you. But I feel, I feel that way for the most part about the Hurricanes, too. Uh, except that they did it last year, you know, so they're a little bit of old news. But, like, I just want this game, this series to go to five and every game to go to triple overtime. I never want to stop watching these two teams play each other um, because it's just compelling. And I hope, I kind of hope you're right that the uh, that the uh, Rangers win it. I don't know if they will, but I hope they will. Um, yeah, I was going to say, if they lose to any team, I'll be happy that it's the Hurricanes because I think they're, yeah, they're a fun young team. Like you said, they're, their last year's, this year's, New York Rangers, or whatever. Um, and yeah, it, it would it wouldn't be heartbreaking necessarily, but it's like, man, you're right. I just don't want this series to end. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think this round in general has kind of a fun, whimsical feel where it's like, oh, it is the playoffs, but it's not really, you know? And like every team that loses gets a, a chance to win a big prize. It's like a, a perfect participation trophy aspect of all of it, you know? <laughs> so it's like, uh, as much as it's stupid that it worked out that way and we've already gone down that rant, that does kind of make this fun. You know, nobody's really a loser. It's all good. You get to leave mm. the freaking bubble, which is probably a victory in itself. I mean, I'm, I'm glad they're there, but they're not, I'm sure. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just, it's just very interesting. Now, let's talk about the friggin' boring top four in the... <laughs> Right? Eastern Conference. So lame. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers are an illusion. We, I can agree on that, undoubtedly. They were hot coming in. They, they were red hot at the end of the what became the end of the regular season. And that's why they snuck into the top four. If they hadn't, I would have predicted whoever was playing them to upset them. <laughs> I don't trust the Flyers. I like the Flyers. I'm a big Flyers fan. I do not trust them. And they will fail me. So they're going to be the bottom of this foursome. And also, I just I genuinely don't think they're on the same level as any of these three teams. I don't think anybody in the Eastern Conference is on the same level as any of these three teams, except maybe the Penguins. And even them, probably not as deep as Boston, Tampa Bay, and the Capitals. As far as seeding, that can shake out any old way uh, you can conceive of. I don't really care, and I don't have a good prediction, but what do you think? Yeah, I mean, looking at these, I think you're right. I think Boston, Tampa Bay, and Washington are really just like the, the de facto top three. Uh-huh. Um I hadn't watched I hadn't watched the Boston Columbus game tonight. I know after like the first or second period it was three one Columbus, so no Columbus. But it makes me just wonder. I was just thinking, I was like, maybe Boston will have the same problem. I think maybe the Blues will getting up for some of these games and Tampa has something to prove where it's like, Hey, I know we're a really good team, but people probably think we're shitty now. Mm-hmm. So I think they're probably gonna end up Tampa that is at the top of the top of the seating. Then I think Washington's just obviously a very strong team. They'll be second. Boston might kinda flail around a little bit and end up third and Philly who I thought looked actually really good against the Penguins uh, I just think against either of any of these three opponents they're just going to end up being fourth in the seating but uh it's it's these four teams minus Philly because I, I do like Philly too so these three teams Boston Tampa and uh, Washington like just they're all they're all three are very good and they and they make compelling series 
um, against whoever they play. But I also am like, please, for the love of God, I don't want one of these people winning the cup. Yes. Because it's just, it's, they they would deserve it and they'll be a great team. Not taking nothing away from them, but it's just like Snoozeville. I mean, obviously Boston <laughs> for obvious reasons for being a Blues fan. Washington, just because they recently won it and it's uh, kind of like, eh, whatever. And Tampa, I have some weird vendetta against Tampa and I don't like them. <laughs> I, don't I don't know either. why. I don't like the... I, I, you know what it is, honestly? I'm disappointed that they sucked last year. I think I'm legitimately like, if you guys were just going to be the best team in the league, why couldn't you do it and finish the job when you had 130 points? I mean, I'm glad they didn't, obviously, <laughs> because it worked out pretty well for us. But you know what I'm saying? Like, don't mm. just be the boring best team in the league and then win it. Be the, like, historically best team in the league and win it if you're going to do it, you know? And I just Mm -hmm. feel like I don't... There is something wrong with the fact that they lost to Columbus. I know the temptation is to say, well, yeah, that's just going to make them hungrier. I don't think so. I think that's a fatal flaw. I don't think you go from losing to the Columbus Blue Jackets in four games, whatever the circumstances, to winning the Stanley Cup. I just don't think that's a leap you make. And maybe I'm too ingrained with the Blues training of like, no, you're just going to fight for a decade and then it's going to happen randomly with no warning. (laughs) But like, I don't know, maybe you disagree with me. I certainly think they're like, in some ways, the least interesting. Because at least if the Bruins do it as much as I don't want that, it's like, oh my God, they were so good for back-to-back years, you know? And like, the Capitals do it. I love Ovechkin enough to overcome my... Um, annoyance and all the rest of that, but like Tampa to me is just so milk toast. They're so pl- I mean, even for being as elite and as very good as they obviously are, taking nothing away from them as a team, but they're so boring in so many yeah. ways. And I just I don't think want it's them to win. I think it's the fact that everyone talks about them being such a good team and they never win and they really deserve a cup. But if they win the cup, it kind of in my mind feels like it already. Like it, it already happened. Mm-hmm. Or like, yeah, yeah, we all talked about how they need it and they deserve it. Blah blah. And now they got it. And so like, nothing fun happened. It just the thing everyone wanted just happened. And that's like, cool, great, they did it now. <laughs> and I can be like, are you happy? We check that one off the list. And it's just like, I don't. Yeah, if I don't care, I just don't care. But you'd be, you'd be uh, sad to hear that I'm looking at the Sportsnet prediction of these 18 different writers for the Eastern Conference champions, the Western Conference champions, the Stanley Cup champions, and the Conn Smythe winner, which I think is fun that they ask these people that. Um, and I think of these 18 writers, nine of them said Tampa Bay would be the Eastern Conference champion. And then they went on to seven of those nine said they would be the Stanley Cup champion. And yeah. I think in the... West, you've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. You have ten people uh, picking Colorado, which I think is safe. That's a good. That's a good bet. And a smattering of, uh, let's see, a smattering of just kind of like, oh boy, three Dallases. I don't think so. Uh, two Vegas, a Nashville, a Winnipeg, no Blues, um, and then some Boston's in the in the East, uh, a Philly, a Washington. Uh, one Toronto. Good job, Luke Fox. Well done. Um, you towed the company line, Luke. Good job. Yeah, I know. He's like, hey, I got to pick him. But yeah, I think the biggest for for cup champion is yeah, Tampa Bay, followed by Colorado, 
and then yeah a pittsburgh here and there a boston here and there and then my favorite is i think the person i'm seeing stick out the most for con Smythe, which would make sense um is i've seen nathan mckinnon four times and three of those times is when colorado wins the cup and one of those times is when tampa bay wins the cup <laughs> i would enjoy that greatly yeah i uh I don't want it to be Tampa. That's my conclusion from all of that. That's like, so Stephen, who do you think does win the cup? Who do I think wins the cup? Man, I do feel like Colorado is the more interesting than any of those questions, but mm-hmm. um, more interesting than any of those teams, but like the bore, the boring, interesting answer, you know? Mm-hmm. But I do think they're real dangerous. My, my question is about Grubauer. I'll tell you this. The team I forget exists when I'm thinking about who could win the Stanley Cup, and I don't mean this as a joke, is the St. Louis Blues. <laughs> right? I, no, 100%. We've I, talked about all these teams, and I'm like, man, yeah, that's cool. I can't wait to watch all these teams. I'm like, oh, yeah, we're in this, too. <laughs> I'm looking at the West, and I'm like, well, there's really only one contender that could beat any of these teams. And I'm like, wait, no, the Blues also. I am not going to predict it, both because I don't think it will happen and because you know superstition and everything else but like i don't think they're not a real like legitimate contender to repeat i wouldn't have if there hadn't been the pause i wouldn't Mm -hmm. have thought they were contenders to go all the way back to back coast to coast but now with the health and the rest and everything else god they're gonna grind on you they're gonna exhaust you you know um because I really don't want to say the Bruins are the Lightning. <laughs> and I'm not sure it will be. I do think I'll go with the Avalanche. Beating oh, yeah. like, yeah, the Washington your Eastern Conference. Avs versus Caps. I like that. I like that. That would be fun. That would be a good one. I think, I'd root for, I think even I would root for Colorado in that, in that circumstance. Um... Man, for me, I think it's either Col- – like for some – I have this pull, this pull in my heart that says it's either Colorado Western Conference uh, finalist or it's Vegas. I just have this feeling that Vegas – What are, is this year three? Is this only year three? <laughs> um, have been kind of – you know, they made it all the way to the finals in one year. Last year – they got screwed by the sharks or by the the refs in the first round, and I think they they still have that that little bit of magic left in them. And I think with the right matchups, I think they could they could make a run for it. Um, I think it's easier in my head to say Colorado though, like Colorado just makes more sense. But I could I would I could see Vegas making it that far too. So Colorado is my Western Conference pick uh, in the East. I gotta look at these teams again because I don't want to be I don't want to look at Sportsnet's picks. Um, man of the East, I don't want, like you were saying, I don't want to say Boston or any of them, but I don't see any of these teams in the qualifier making it. Maybe, maybe Carolina, if they get really hot, Toronto's nope. Um, Pittsburgh, maybe I could see, man. Pittsburgh is a, I, a nightmare team out there too that could just do. Yeah, it I like your. I really like the Washington 
the Washington and, and Colorado pick, but I think I'm going to go Colorado and uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, that's fair. With Colorado winning or? I <laughs> think if Colorado makes it that far, I want to believe that they can <laughs> topple Pittsburgh. But the scary thing is when you put Pittsburgh in the final, it's just like, well, I guess they win. Um, so I don't like saying that they're in the final because it feels like I'm just predicting that Pittsburgh will win. So I want to say Colorado. I'm going to say Colorado wins the cup. Um, but you know what's like crazy compelling, man? I tell you what, if it's – I know uh, maybe other – fan bases would fucking hate this. They probably would. It'd probably be like a low-watched like Stanley Cup final. But I think a, blue, a St. Louis Blues-Pittsburgh Penguins final would be like dynamite. Oh, yeah. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, I, I and, agree. And we would I lose, but it would be amazing. Yeah. Hey, I kind of want, you know, now that we've won one, man, I would love to play, play, play against the player of a generation and just see, you know? Right? Wouldn't just, that be fun? See we, don't, we don't play Crosby. All, and if we know? lose, I can just say it's a pretend cup anyway. <laughs> and, yeah. You know, comfort myself. Oh, I yeah. And like then the, the other one I was thinking of out of the West, and like, I don't, it'd be fun. I don't think it'll happen. I don't know when it'll ever happen. But like, Edmonton would be interesting. I could see Edmonton making it to the conference finals, mm-hmm. depending on what their matchups are. But then again, and again, that would be like a fantastic Western Conference final. Have Edmonton versus Colorado. Oh, so good. Yeah, that would be a ton of fun. I feel like those two teams would just fly. I mean, they would just fly up and down the ice. I do I do want this to be a wild playoff. I hope it is. Right, that's what I was going to say. I want this to be fun. The I want all of this is, to be like, so much As fun. much as I think there could be chaos because of the format and the situation, there is still just such a quality disparity between the top five or six teams in this league and everybody else that it's really hard for me to believe that some team like the Coyotes actually can push through into, say, the conference finals or whatever, you know, because mm-hmm. I just think they're going to meet someone that they just cannot match up with, honestly, in a, in a contest. But I hope it happens. I mean, I, give me a Coyotes-Panthers final. The league will be devastated, but it'll be fantastic <laughs> for me, you know. Uh, I um, mean, I'm dead serious. If it's Panthers-Coyotes, they're, like, just going to release COVID into the... Yeah, they're going to be like, sorry, everyone, we had to be canceled. <laughs> There is no Stanley Cup. <laughs> <laughs> you imagine like technical difficulties and it just comes back to yeah, like Gary Bettman on the ice. Unfortunately, we cannot award the cup this year because <laughs> we've got COVID. The bubble has burst. Yeah, I just, I'm sure Gary would put a stop to it, but I'm sure he'll get a nice sanitary team, you know, final with two good teams and be happy with it. If they pump in booze for when he awards the cup, that is both the dumbest thing and, and the, the best thing the NHL God, has I ever done, do. ever. I hope that would be fantastic. Just have fun. Just have some fun, you know? Mm-hmm. Do it. Uh, that's it. That's all we got this week. Anything else you need to discuss, or, or shall we get out of here? No man, I'm just I'm just excited. Hockey is back. It's I will say the one curse to all of this is that there is so much damn hockey mm-hmm. this weekend, like with the five games that it's like impossible to watch them all. It's not like actually, but it kind of is because I can't like conceivably tell people like, sorry, I have to watch all four of these. <laughs> so I just kind of have to pick like, okay, like in my mind, 
if if Edmonton's playing, I'm watching that one. I'm watching Edmonton series. I'm trying to watch the Carolina Rangers series. I'm trying to watch uh, Vancouver play, and I'm trying to watch um, maybe maybe those are my top three really. And like, but that's the thing where it's like, so then I kind of have to like check the check the the highlights of the other ones and stuff, and it just yeah, it's nuts because you thought first round was crazy, you know, regular first round playoffs. It's like maybe two, three games in the day, and it's like five games a day. Mm-hmm. So enjoy it. Have fun. Yeah, I mean, it's what, 10 a.m. it starts on Saturday? Yeah, I think so. So do it, Woo. man. Enjoy it. Yeah, live it. This is the only time you're going to get to have, like, a March Madness-style day of hockey. So live it mm-hmm. up. Uh, and we will, and we'll have a lot of games to cover and, and things to discuss when we come back next week. So I'm excited. Hockey's back. We got through it, folks. Thank you for... <laughs> persevering through parasite discussions and who wore it best when there was only two players to wear the number and they both suck and what else did we do we still gotta finish that which we i'm interested enough to finish i'm just saying people persevered they've stuck with us we appreciate it uh go hit up the twitter we're gonna have fun over there this this whatever summer month fall whatever (laughs) whatever season it is we'll do some giveaways and stuff uh, you know, keep it hot, smash that like button, all that stuff. Uh, hockey's back. We're going to talk next week. Ian, any final words? I'm just saying, just live it up. Drink it up, baby. Big my, Apple boys. That's right. My final word is ragamuffin. Good night. <laughs> Good night. You'd be late, but you got here early and you stand and wave. I walk to you. Pull my chair out and head.